Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Hey, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Now, today in the What's Hot Spotlight is award-winning actor. Kara. Kara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if I should say Kara. Okay, okay, Kara. I'm getting better at correcting people. Oh, good. Okay, okay. Kara yeah. Young. And Kara has an amazing journey from Broadway's Pearly Victorious to earning two Tony and Drama Desk nominations. We'll discuss her award-winning roles, including her Obie Award win for Twelfth Night, and delve into her screen transition with roles in I'm a Virgo and Staircase and The Punisher. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say... Kara Young. <laughs> is what's hot. <laughs> Oh, Kara. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, prior to uh, going on live, uh, Kara was teasing me about uh, the type of foods that I eat. Okay. You know, I, I, I don't eat pig feet. I don't eat oxtails and I don't eat chitlins. And I told her that, you know, I eat, uh, you know, fish and, and chicken breasts. And she said, boy, that's dry food. <laughs> Oh, well, you say it sounds dry. Okay. <laughs> it sounds okay. like very dry. <laughs> okay, Kara. Uh, look, uh, it is so nice for you to 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 do this uh, show uh, for me today. I know it's such short notice, and I, like I told you, I tried to get you uh, a week or so ago, but uh, you know the the show Pearly Victorious had had uh, ended, and you guys had gone your separate ways. But I was lucky enough to go to an event last night uh, about Sinking Inc., which you're mm -hmm. in, and uh, so we talked. So, But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, first of all, how are you? Well, uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. As a fellow Harlemite, born and raised in Harlem, it is. Uh, I feel very honored to be here with you today. So thank you for inviting me here. Well, it's so nice of you to say that. So what I usually do at the beginning of the show, I uh, ask my special guests to uh, take the Wayback Machine with me. And we go way back. And you tell us what it was like growing up in Harlem as mm. uh, little Kara. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, um, so... Harlem, in, in my memories, are, it was a community and a beautiful, vibrant community of folk. And no matter who you were, where you came from, like what your socioeconomic background is, no matter what, you're always going to say good morning, good afternoon and good night to everybody. And um, that's the Harlem that I come from, you know, people looking out for each other and um just what it really means to be in community. Yeah. Um, I went to school, high school and elementary school in Spanish Harlem. 
So I always trekked right back to the West Side. Um, and so I kind of have like two different, you know, feels of what Harlem is that, you know, Spanish Harlem and West Side, like have a very different kind of vibes. But um, I feel really fortunate to have been here and never left. So you, you're around, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, around 117th Street or something like that? Yeah, I grew up around there. And um, and um, I live now, I live a little bit more uptown. Um, but I live, you know, close to where I was born. I was born in Harlem Hospital. Mm. You know, my mom worked in Harlem Hospital for a very long time. I'm right, you know, I'm right by the Schomburg. It's just really, it just always feels... Um, really like magical to walk by the the place that you were born in every single day <laughs> before you have to go on the subway, you know, like, Oh wow. 17th floor. That was, yeah. Oh, fantastic. You even know what floor you were on. <laughs> well, they, that's the, that's the, um, that's the floor. That's the, that's the, what's, what's it called? Oh, it's, where the, where, where the babies are born. Right. Where the babies gotcha. are born. There's a, there's okay. a word for it, but yeah. Yeah, I had my like first that. job in Harlem, Harlem Hospital too. I used to work for this beautiful, beautiful woman, um, and I kind of thought I was, you know, I was just like one of those summer interns, but mm -hmm. or summer like it was a summer job. But I thought mm -hmm. I was her assistant. <laughs> <laughs> what department did you work in? You know that I actually, I actually don't remember, but I remember doing a lot of like paperwork and and you know she had her own secretary. But I thought I was, her, I thought I was her. I just, I was like, whatever you need, I'm here. You're like so fabulous. Uh, her, her name wasn't Cynthia, was it? No, I don't, I didn't call women, I didn't call women by their first name. You know, it was Miss something, I forget. It started with a V and she was oh. fabulous. Oh, okay. Fabulous. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So, so now uh, growing up uh, in Harlem, um, mm -hmm. and, and you went to school, uh, and I understand that you did not want to be a, a, an actor or anything until you saw your brother take a mime class. Uh, uh, what, what was that about? Well, I don't know if I, I didn't have in my mind that I didn't want to be an actor at that time. I was like five years old and, um, you know, like you get to, my, my, my parents enrolled us in after school. So it was like, what classes do you want to take? You know, so mm -hmm. we had, we had our, we got our own choice to, to take classes. Right. Mm -hmm. And my brother was taking the mime class and it's sort of like a bridge experience. So there were kind of kids from, with all, from all ages, but part of me making my decision to take the mime class was because my brother was in it. And I think it was just for comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and the woman who was our, instructor teacher you know guide or she she really kind of took me under her wing and it became like a a place for me to really experience what it means to be a performer i feel like she really kind of cultivated the performer inside of me i mean we were this was a mime class and we were like we were obviously acting without words but there were like muse was music like she would play music and then we would be performing and we would perform in nursing homes and in schools. So I kind of got an experience to perform often with her, her guidance and love. You know, you could just feel when people just like, like love you and want you to, 
to thrive. And it was an, it was an environment in which I could like thrive, you know? Um, yeah. So from there, uh, well, let me just say this little story. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but you know, I spent most of my media career on, on radio playing music, playing uh, music radio and on radio, you're not supposed to let any dead air uh, happen. Mm. So sometimes when there was a music cue and there was dead air and, or, or one record finished and I had to try and hurry up scurry to get another record on, that'd probably be like maybe 20 minutes, I mean, 20 seconds of dead air or something. So one of the things I used to come back with was, uh, uh, that was a record by Marcel Marceau. Uh, and for those folks who knew that Marcel Marceau was this famous mime guy. That... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but. Yeah. But you know, 20 seconds is a long time on radio. That's, That's right. a long time to, for, for it to be dead. That's right. So I had to come up with something and that Marcel Marceau was, uh, uh, but in any case, let's move it along. You are now um, uh, learning how to be a mime. And yes. so, then, so then now from the mime, how did you extend your your performances, uh, your career, well, your talent? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because, again, like my parents never pushed us. Mm -hmm. It was always like, what do you want? What do you want to take? What are, what are the classes that you want to take? So, you know, naturally I started to always want to be in mind class. And so I did that till I was about 12. And <laughs> seven, seven years of being a mime. Yeah. Five to 12. I, and then I, and then, you know, I kind of transitioned out and then I started doing musical theater and with this incredible woman, her name is Liza Castro Robinson. And she started this, um, this troupe called Standing Ovation. And so it was like a bunch of El Barrio kids, like, you know, brown kids doing the Broadway, the Broadway <laughs> songs and stuff. And, you know, I wasn't a sing. I mean, I wasn't a singer, but I really loved to sing. Right. Mm -hmm. And she used to give me solos, but then I was just sort of, and I think, I don't know. I, I just feel like she also, cultivated the performer in me and it became a different uh, thing of performance. And, you know, the mime, I feel like was a foundation for storytelling, physical storytelling, and then doing musical theater and kind of paying attention to the, to like the great musicals of, of our generation um, started to really kind of, what does my voice sound like in a space, you know? Mm -hmm, so it was mm -hmm, cultivating mm -hmm. voice and versus the physical um, aspect of what storytelling is. And just it feels like it just keeps keep kept on adding up. And so I did that until I was about 16. And um, then, you know, there was a period where I'm like, I don't want to take any classes or whatever. And there was all, through that whole period of time, I was always in dance class. So oh, dancing. I had, I, yeah, I had like that foundation as well of being a, you know, being a dancer. Um, my parents probably thought I was going to be a dancer for a long time. Um, and then you study with? 
Um, I studied, I studied at the 92nd street Y when I was a child, that's where mm-hmm. I took my classes. And, um, I also, uh, was at the same time doing, um, dance classes with Marie Brooks at, um, Harlem hospital actually on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a, I had a short period of time where I studied at the dance theater of Harlem and, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. so now so now we've gotten you we've got you up to your teenage years, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Then uh, how did you get into theater uh on Broadway and and the things that you're doing now, television? Man, well, I went away to school and then, you know, without saying it like it's, it's a pejorative, but like I dropped out. You know, I went away to Gettysburg College. And, but there was something that really, like something major that happened there. Um, it was me and another black girl. We were the like only two black girls in this class. And there was an um, assignment for sort of an improv that we created, but we had to stick to certain plot points mm-hmm. and, and we had to perform our, our, um, what we've, what we created. And, and when we performed it, it we looked up and the entire room was bawling. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is powerful. Whatever, you know, like my whole, before that I was like performing for like the love of it. And like, you know, it's fun to be in like, also, there was also that, oh, great job, you know, Kara, that's great. And it was like people were just coming to support. And this was like an experience where people were moved. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And it wasn't power in that way, like, that is um, that is negatively um, assumed. It is Mm -hmm. the magic that occurs in a theatrical experience where people feel something shifts inside of you, not necessarily a change, but something shifted in that experience, in that audience based on what we had done. And that really kind of set something off in my head where I was like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was like, that was powerful. Whoa. yeah, insane. Incredible. So, all right. So that propelled you on to now want to perform for different reasons. You felt yeah. like you could, you, you could move an audience. You, you could influence emotion. You could, uh, Beyond the, you know, we as performers, we all love the. Hey, that was great. Hey, you were fantastic. But, but to know that you touched somebody at at a certain moment, that's the the, the thrill of it all. Yeah, I mean, and and then the thing about it is too, it was like it was these. We were. I mean, now I'm thinking about it and talking about it with you is making me think about something completely different when I tell this story. Is because we were two black girls in that class. Mm-hmm. We were the only two. Mm-hmm. And they saw us, mm-hmm. you know, and imagine what like that audience, that audience wasn't black people, you know, it was a PWI 
And I, I mean, that there's something really special about that part that I never really talked about mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that we were the only two and we, and people were able to really see the humanity of two black women, young women doing something that meant so much to us as well. They got you. You you were of a different uh, culture, a uh, different experience for them, but they you reached them, as you yeah. say, the humanity that came through. Well, yeah. hey, you you've been reaching audiences ever since. Uh, oh, thank you, Chichi. <laughs> I mean, uh, in in a little while, we're going to take a break in a little while. But when we come back, I, I just want folks to know about uh, for the, for the benefit of our audience. Those who have never seen Pearly nor heard of Pearly Victorious know who Ossie Davis and Ruby D are or were. Uh, we're we're going to talk about all of that when we come back uh, and how you just lit up the stage with uh, on Broadway in Pearly Victorious. So we've got about um, two minutes or less before we go to break. Uh, I just want to remind people that... Uh, you can go to harlemamerica.com and see some of our previous uh, TV shows as well as listen to our uh, radio shows from Voice America. And also, you can download our app. Download our app. You can uh, download the mobile app and our TV app and carry us around with you in your pocket. Okay, please? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm G. Keith Alexander, and I'm here with... This wonderful, talented actor. Uh, what's your name again? Kara Young. Kara <laughs> <laughs> Young. You're amazing. <laughs> and so we're going to take the short break and we'll be right back. Thank you. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. 
To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Oh, thank you, Kimber. Uh, I'm here now with, with the, the very talented and funny Kara uh, Young. And uh, we're just having an amazing time here. And uh, you've got to see this woman perform. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the shows that she's in on television. And um, But right now, let's talk about, because you're just fresh off the stage after spending, mm-hmm. I think, about five months uh, in Purely Victorious. For the benefit yes. of our audience, tell us, tell them what Pearly Victorious is all about in your role. Oh, Pearly Victorious is about a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of beautiful things, a lot of um, heart-wrenching things, a lot of things that, I mean, the themes kind of are across the board. I think that in a nutshell, the brilliance of this literature that Ozzy Davis has written that is a timeless piece of a certain time. It's actually haunting how relevant this play is in today, today, having been written and last produced in 1961 on Broadway. Now, a lot of people know about Pearly the Musical, which it features incredible songs, but our production of Pearly Victorious, directed by Kenny Leon, was uh, an offering to the American theater because it really, to me, that play dissects the absurdity of the racial and social structures in this America, revisits and... um, shares the hard legacy of slavery in our country and also provides us with a deep hope to bring humanity together. And I believe that the satirical and farcical nature of the play, (laughs) what it's so um, meticulously designed so that we understand what how laughter can bring us closer to the truth. And I mean, it's about a preacher who is finds his way back to his hometown to get the church that is in his family's um, legacy so that he can be in this church and preach the word of humanity for all mankind. And um, in doing that, he brings back Ludi Bell, Gussie Mae Jenkins, who I had the honor of stepping into that role that was originated by the iconic, legendary Ruby Dee, who also grew up in Harlem. Um, and um, he finds Ludi Bell in uh, Dothan, Alabama, and brings her back to Georgia to impersonate a dead ancestor who recently <laughs> passed, which is Cousin B. You laughing because you saw the <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but in that, you know, I believe that the, the story of Ludie Bell Gustav Mae Jenkins, it's always going to continue to evolve in my, in my mind. I, I feel like I never lose 
um, the the feeling of of try of getting deeper into her world. Um, I don't I don't think that's ever going to go away. But it's about wow, it's about a woman who takes the chance of her life um, because she knows that this this man is going to change the world, and she wants to be a part of that. Um, she also feels completely spiritually and cosmically connected to him and, and in her journey, not only finds her voice, but is able to find, uh, her own humanity and take charge of her whole self in that journey and gets the biggest prize on the planet, which is a beautiful black family. And, um, I I see you getting, I I see you getting emotional about it. Uh, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, this woman, uh, really, really, uh, put on a performance, uh, if she had physicality and, and, uh, and, and humor and, but the storyline is about, the preacher, as she said, uh, Pearly, who came back home and he wanted he concocted a scheme in order to to get his five hundred dollars back so he could right. then uh, uh, so he could then buy the church or or, or, or get the church back. And so- <laughs> <laughs> but it's the money that is owed to him because right. it's it's owed to him because he's the next of kin. And, um, you know, all of the all of the schemery that happens in, in our, in our America, that what is, what are we owed? (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And Mm. what have we received that we're, that we deserve? Well, you know, we took you deep there for a moment where you Mm -hmm. you got emotional. So I, I, I must ask. Yes. What, what did you have to, to do to get into that role? How did you do it? Um, you know, there's a, so many, so, I mean, the journey never ended for me, you know, and again, like once I started, I didn't stop digging until mm-hmm. the very last performance and not even to the very, like, yeah, like, again, it's probably, I'm going to have revelations probably till the day that I, die about this play and about her in particular but the preparation was about a vibration into the ether of humanity the legacy of a million black women as domestic workers and um a vibration on the forgotten children of America. Um, a part of that preparation was about acquiring an accent that was clear to an audience. Um, because if I really got super country in Dothan, we might not be truly, you know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, when people are in their actual rooted language mm-hmm. or rooted, rooted vernaculars, um, sometimes, you know, it might not be very clear to understand. So it was about the clarity of understanding and also paying homage to that, to that Southern tongue. And, um, 
I, before I started rehearsals, I went into preparation with Caroline Stephanie Clay. And then uh, Trey Cotton was our linguist, uh, our vocal person while we were rehearsing. Um, and I also had a friend, Eddie Dunn, who um, is from Montgomery proper. And he had put me on the phone with his mother, who has a very different, um, like, weight to her voice because she's from the country of Alabama. And, and, um, and also very old school. So I was, so I was kind of listening to, listening to everyone and trying to make a gumbo out of that in regards to just being an artist and um, also incorporating my imagination into the sounds of her voice. Um, but I imagine like, what can, if I put a, if I had a, a cacophony of voices, what would that sound like? to what would that sound like and what would, what would it also sound like the fact that she's coming from a different place mm-hmm, so she doesn't mm-hmm. sound like everybody else and um so that was a part of the a part of the preparation but also in preparation i felt it to be very important to take in as much as i possibly could about um formerly enslaved people post-Civil War. And so a, a part of my daily prep was reading the narratives of of newly free people. Really? Um, and yeah, and that's not something I share with a lot of people, but yeah, that was a part of the prep of every, before every performance. You went deep. I would, I'm sorry? Y- you went deep. I did because it's how deep can how do we honor a person in an hour and 45 minutes so so we'll need another so um okay all right so (laughs) (laughs) I mean on stage on stage you know okay for okay, all of I, for all of the characters, I, there's something about honoring a person in in their full in their full self, and so I can't, you know, how do I honor you, G. Keith, in an hour forty five minutes on a stage? It's like almost impossible. So there's so many nuances about your life, whether it's from your fifth grade teacher or to what the fact that you rejected that first play to pig's feet. I would need pig speak with your mouth. (laughs) Did you know what I'm saying? So there's a, there's a, it's a forever trying to, trying to forever honor. I, 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 I I get you, but you did, you did mention Mm. fifth fifth grade. It was in fifth grade that the nun stood everybody up in my class along the wall and asked us, what did we want to be when we grew up? And I said, I wanted to be a radio announcer. You said that. I said that. And lo and behold, I have become what I wanted to be when I was a kid. Oh, my God. And and for everybody who's listening on our break, um, which wasn't very long, but our break, you spoke of your extensive and such a, 
a fruitful career in radio, um, having established some of the most iconic uh, radio stations in the nation. And, you know, all starting with WBLS, which is so iconic. You are wonderful. You want to be on next week, too? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so it's and I'm and I was actually reminiscing the, the thing that I was reminiscing about because I was like, I was like, this man's voice feels like home. And I and I and I'm listening to you and I'm like, tell me tell me about yourself. I'm like, I know I could read up about you, but then everything just started to be like, Oh, <laughs> I get it. Ever, 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 ever. Like I was like, I get it. It's just, it's like, wow. You are fantastic. You're wonderful. So, all right. Uh, all right uh, yeah. uh, enough about me. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, the, uh, so, so you, got a chance to meet the daughter of Asi and Ruby. What was that like? Um, well, I got a chance to meet all of their children, um, Nora, Guy, and um, Dr. Hesna Muhammad, who was... Uh, so Guy Davis did all of our music for, oh. for Pearly, which was, I mean, the amount of... Uh, roots and blood mm -hmm. like the the fa like the family mm -hmm. is so um they're holding up their parents legacy is so important to them and comes it comes like first priority in their in their spirits um and especially in this particular time they i mean dr hesna muhammad is so wonderful she was there so often, I, I know I saw her more than four times a week, five times wow. a week at times. Like she was there with us all the time and she was there for all of our talkbacks um, because not only does she really want to be there, but I, I believe now looking in, I can't speak for her, but it was important for her to communicate <laughs> communicate for her, her bloodline, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She's just, yeah, she was, she was incredible. So anyway, yeah, those are my people now. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> wow. that's, that's my, my family. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've had um, Vanessa Bell Calloway on the show. Uh, you did? Oh, my yes, God. That's my yes, family, too. Yes. What was it like working with Vanessa? Oh, my goodness. Um, Vanessa Bell Calloway, where do I begin? Because she <laughs> is just one of those people that is so legendary. And I like her face alone is so legendary to my eyes <laughs> because I've been seeing her at, you know, growing up, you, you know, Vanessa's face, like the back of your hand. Like when we were walking down the street, somebody be like, Hey lady, like, like, you know, it's just, <laughs> she's always, she's so memorable, but like her spirit, her spirit, her love, her dedication to not only her family but her dedication to storytelling you know Vanessa Bell Calloway is a legendary figure in in our media in our um 
in our film history. She's also was in the original Dream Girls on Broadway. I mean, she when she talks about her journey to where we to where we ended up in Pearly Victorious, she always says, you know, God wrote it and I just showed up and <laughs> and um I feel really honored to have not only worked with her, but build such a beautiful relationship with her and her family and I, and every single person in the cast. We were, we were a family and not just the people in the cast. She Keith. it was, it was like the people in the cast, our porters, our door guy, the security, you know, front of house staff, our company manager, our housemate. We were all a family, like real talk. So breaking away from that vibe. It was just mm-hmm. like, I know there was like a, oh my God, we're going to miss each other, but deeply because of how much we built together and just the energy that we built together set the precedence for the entire, the entire one. It was just beautiful. Wow. Now that Vanessa Bell Calloway should have heard what you just said about her. <laughs> In fact, I, I'm, I'm actually that. very obsessed with her, G Keith. So <laughs> she'll tell you. She'll tell you. Oh wow. I'll be okay. finding old stuff about Vanessa Bell Calloway and I send it to her. Like, look what I found. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with uh Kara Young and uh Kara. Kara see. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> you can call me KK. KK, we're here with KK, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk more about Kara's. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. You can call me okay. KK or Kiki. Okay, so we're coming back with KK right after these messages, and uh, don't go away, please. Thank you. <laughs> Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-5535741 today. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Oh, thank you so very, very much. I'm here with KK, Kiki, Kara, Kara. What, what, <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> we're having a ball. That's great. That's great. You're welcome. And uh, <laughs> so now, uh, what was it like working with Leslie Odom Jr.? 
Oh, what a dream. You know, he is not regular. I you'd be like, yo, he, you ain't regular. You're not a you're not regular at all. You are just so he really makes the impossible feel so possible. You know, the world of possibility opened up when I met this man. Really? And you know, I also also like we had like in the beginning, in the beginning of our rehearsal process, we like we kind of butt heads a little bit because we are both storytellers and it was about the integrity of the story. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would feel very, very, you know, certain about what we wanted to say in this moment or whatever, because a lot of it is us together. And um, I think that fire really sparked an electric energy on the stage but there was such support and understanding and generosity in playing with each other like and just respect for each other um i am i feel forever grateful and 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 thankful and honored to have been not only in this journey with him, um, but to have met him and his family um, and, and love them because his, his wife, his wife as well, she's such a grounding force of, of nature. It's like she's the earth and he's the wind and they exist in such a beautiful, um, a beautiful space together. The support is, is crazy beautiful. Oh, and, I love I love them very much. And note to our audience, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. played Pearly. Yes, and he, the and he incredible, was hilarious. He was hilarious. Tony Award winning Leslie Odom Jr. as Pearly Victorious was also our lead, one of our lead producers on Pearly. He was part of the reason why Pearly happened. And he had so many dreams about pearly being done years ago and the journey took seven years for it to be on broadway um and kudos to him you know because it would it it, you know it, it wouldn't have been done in this way and 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 it wouldn't have been done in this way and with the incredible direction of kenny leon and our beautiful cast and i have to i have to shout everybody out Please, you know, no, please. Vanessa Bell Calloway, Heather Alicia Sims, Billy Eugene Jones, J.O. Sanders, Noah Pizek, Noah Robbins, Bill Timoni, um, and and Leslie Odom Jr. I believe that's everyone. Vanessa Bell Calloway, of course. I believe I just said her, but um, it is like what? And man, wow. <laughs> I think, well, it's weird because we're about to go into our second week of not being on the stage. So Sunday will be the two week anniversary of our closing. Are you having withdrawals? Well, now that I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know, I, I, I tend to, I tend to do that to people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and withdraw, it's like, but also honored to have done that work and honored to, 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 to activate Ozzy Davis's words as a writer, as a playwright, as a storyteller, the genius of Ozzy. Yeah. 
Well, it was incredible. It uh, kept me in stitches while I was there. And uh, so now let us talk about. Yes, sir. I'm a Virgo. Oh, my goodness. Did you watch it? Not yet, but I am. Oh, you're on for a ride because it's it's literally it's about it's about. okay, it's about many things because I think people will kind of grab what they want out of it. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. has different eyes and different experiences. So when they watch something, things are going to land that other things don't for other people and vice versa. But it's about a 13 foot tall black man in Oakland. (laughs) So it's one of and it's it's created by the the legendary, iconic uh, community organizer, activist, um, revolutionary Boots Riley. Mm-hmm. It is the radical imagination personified in in our eyes. It is a it is a delightful treat to the eyes and to the ears because it's a, it's a it's a fantastical world and at the same time the world that we're living in today. And I play a community organizer. Her name is Jones, and she is a revolutionary. And she, is, her whole goal is to tell the people that they have more power than what they've been told because there's more of us than them and that we can actually make a change in this world if we come together, if we actually come together because people are, people are not living in the conditions that they deserve to be in. Mm-hmm. And every single human deserves the basic right to live, the basic rights to live. What network is it on? It is on Prime Video, and I encourage I encourage not just not just brown people to watch this, not just black people to watch this, but all people to watch it because it's a really universal story. Mm-hmm. Um. And the message is so, the message is for all of us. Yeah. Well, there are people who um, are trying to keep our history from us. And uh, I think that everyone should have a, 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 a wider uh, scope and things that you don't know about. It's time to kind of find out why people are talking about these things because, and why people might be angry about certain things and why people Mm -hmm. feel like they're overlooked and why people feel like they want to make changes. And the only way to do that is to kind of immerse yourself in some of the, the, uh, conversations and and some of the the uh, works of art that are telling these stories so yeah uh, well, what's it what you just said is really interesting because art always feels like the most current thing that is in direct response to what's happening in the world and and that's why art is so important whether it's a painting a story, a song, I mean, and and also like 
in Pearly, Pearly Victorious, it reminds us of our history as traumatic as it was. Mm-hmm. Right? But we yeah. can't bury history. Right. Books are being banned in our country, in right. our schools. They are literally trying to completely eradicate what happened. And we can't forget that. We can't. And that's why on HarlemAmerica.com, we have our Black History articles that uh, I'd like to send people over to HarlemAmerica.com to read some of the articles about Black history. And, uh, you know, they'll be in, informed and perhaps encouraged and enlightened and and uh, understand. So um, this has been a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful opportunity to speak with you, uh, when I asked you uh, if we could do this, you said, well, I only do 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. I was hoping you would never say that out loud. <laughs> oh, we've gone way no, I didn't past say, 15. No, I didn't say I only do. I said, can we do 15? Oh, oh, you said oh, my, oh. my show is an hour. Oh, And I okay. said, well, let's, let's do it. Like, I only do one person on the show. And I was right. like, Okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, you know what? This what? man is legendary. <laughs> I have to speak with him for an hour. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that we've been kikiing this whole time. Yes, right. We have been. We really but have. But I'm going to ask you something really serious now, though. I hope you, I wish you never said that. <laughs> it, it, it is that, that serious so time in the oh show. God. Have you, has there been anything that you've had to give up? Do you have any re- regrets? Uh, did, did you give up anything to become the, the, the Kara, Kara, Kiki, KK that you are now? Did I have to give up anything? Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe when I, it sounds eerie, but I think that like when I'm on my, way out i'll probably reflect upon that but at this very at this very moment um i've gained so much from being a storyteller and i've learned so much about the world from being a storyteller and there and and the and the beautiful part about that is that there's so much more to learn right and there's so much mm-hmm. more to discover um, and I feel fortunate enough to have told stories that I feel are changing the world. I feel fortunate enough to have told stories that I really truly believe are shifting consciousness in our humanity. And I feel like just to continue on a journey of, 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 of hope, of, of being to continue the journey of learning mm. and discovering mm-hmm. and finding out. And that I, at the end of the day, you know, starting a play, I like start with zero mm-hmm. and, and try to, you know, try to find out as much as I possibly can. And hopefully that translates in performance and in, in, in the story of it all and in the vibration of it all and the offering of it all. Um, yeah, I mean, 
working with working with beautiful, incredible writers, incre- like 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 not to not to, but Lynn Nottage is our is is the only woman who's ever won a Pulitzer Prize twice for playwriting, and 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 I had the fortunate opportunity to work with her in Clyde's, which was my first Tony nomination, and then work with Martina Mayoke, whose pen will make your heart beat in ways that you never knew it could. And I could say that for Lynn as well. Um, but that uh, working on cost of living got my second Tony nomination. And these are both stories that are incredibly powerful, but also showing women who haven't been seen in that way. And, and I, I feel like the, the, I don't know what the goal at the end of the day is, but to just tell those stories and let people see us. Wow. Well, this has been wonderful. We've got to uh, say goodbye and um, we want you to, oh, we might as well give a shout out to the Lady Irene Gandhi also. Oh, the, Lady Irene! Yes, one of the producers of uh, Pearly Victorious. So I love her. Oh, yes, I do, too. So on our way out, uh, I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, this has been really great. I've been with the very talented, and you'll see more of her on on television and everything. Uh, what's your name again? Kara Young. Please come see Sinking Inc. at the Victoria Uptown in Harlem. It starts in May. It starts May 7th. And you're, you and your ensemble, right? Yes, the incredible... Oh my God, Sangu, Adeshla, Mackenzie, Nuri, um, Elisha, and Proda. And it'll be at the uh, the Apollo uh, Victoria stages. That's correct. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very, very much. You have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And uh, don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walked a mile in his or her shoes. And remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. I'm G. Keith oh. Alexander. I'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.